Welcome everybody to the That Raider podcast. I'm your humble host, That Raider. Now, uh, in today's episode, the first ever episode of the That Raider podcast, can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, we're going to talk about the offseason so far and the upcoming NFL draft, where we currently hold the number 10 overall pick. So, uh, definitely a good position uh, for some of the needs that we have. So, what we'll do, we'll start off with the uh, the biggest news of all. And that's the hiring of John Gruden. Now, uh, John Gruden was out of the NFL for about 10 years in terms of coaching. But he has been around the league uh, this whole time. So his thing with ESPN, uh, pretty much going around training camps and uh, speaking to all the different coaches and all types of players uh, over the last few years now, I feel has been very advantageous for him just because you don't really get some of the information you get uh, by working with just one team because it's pretty much just your team that you're kind of discussing with. You learn all about your players. But when you're in the broadcasting business, especially with somebody like him and the type of character he has, he definitely went from uh, from team to team, picked uh, all the brains of all the head coaches, assistant coaches, all the coordinators, um, the players, equipment staff, pretty much everything uh, that goes on with every team the different logistics about it, he's pretty much picked up uh, all the best behaviors that he could potentially implement for us. Now, obviously, I'm saying this in terms of uh, an optimistic view, so I'm really hoping that is the case. The other downside to it that could potentially come about is the fact that he's been around um, the broadcasting booth and not on the field. He's not been in the locker rooms. He has not seen how the players have changed ever since he was a head coach. Um, the characters are different players or people are built different now in terms of their uh, their kind of cognitive standby and strength uh, attention spans are super super low in comparison to what they were around 10 years ago just because of all this technology so it's a it's a catch-22 potentially just because with all the positives that I've stated prior uh, there could be a, as many negatives as I, as I just mentioned at the moment so it's um it's really tough to say and it's really hard uh, to guess as well. So I just we have to wait. The only thing to do is wait to see. But I'm super excited. Um, at the same time, I am pretty upset that Jack Del Rio was fired. Uh, I was a massive fan of his just because of the different um, mentality he brought to the team, uh, the whole culture and the whole atmosphere of the whole team and the whole organization changed. Uh, he was the one that implemented these new training facilities that um, allowed the players to definitely take a little bit more pride in actually playing for the team because that was one of the kind of biggest things that you hear uh, over time where some of the players were just sick and tired of uh, training and uh, coming to the off-season with shit facilities. Now, NFL teams and the NFL in terms of business is a, is a cash cow. And the amount of money that teams should have and the facilities that they should have should never be an issue. So um, it's a shame that that was the case prior to John coming, uh, or Jack, shall I say. Uh, but he, at the end of the day, got it done. And from that, we definitely took pride in our playing. And the 2016-2017 was definitely uh, a product of that. Just because of the 12-4 and season we had, everything was going up. But for some reason, I don't know what the hell happened. And a lot of people don't either, even professionals. Um, 
go to a point where the 2017-2018 season was just something that we'd like to, I'd like to wipe off the history books. And um, yeah, it was crazy. Coaching was the number one issue. And uh, that's what we're going to kind of start off with today. So how the hell Ken Norton Jr. stayed in Oakland as long as he did, I do not know. Uh, he must have had pictures of somebody's naked wife. Uh, something. Some, there was some sort of blackmail or some collateral that he had this whole time that he managed to stay as a head coach or a defensive coordinator in the NFL in today's age. I do not get it for the life of me. Our defense was trash um, under this guy. You can tell exactly how bad he was because the exact same players that were on the roster uh, managed to make so much more of their talent and opportunity as soon as John Pagano took over as a defensive coordinator just after the Week 11 match against the New England Patriots in Mexico City. Ever since he took over, you saw the energy, you saw uh, the performance increase to a point where we were unaware of for the last almost two years. Bruce Irvin, the number one, number, number, number one example. Now, Bruce Irvin had history with Ken Norton Jr. in Seattle. That was his linebacker coach. So they had a huge, huge, huge relationship together, very close. Uh, Bruce Irvin definitely said many times that he saw him as a father figure. As good as the guy may be outside of the field, on the field as a head or as a coach of the defense, he was pure trash. Because as soon as John Pagano took over, Bruce Irvin's game astronomically increased. And you saw this to a point where if John Pagano was the defensive coordinator from the beginning of the season, best believe Bruce Irvin would have got those double-digit sacks that he's been coveting ever since he got into the league, and we would never have had an issue. Uh, even got to a point where a lot of people were saying Bruce Irvin's definitely, definitely gone after this season just because of the inconsistencies in his play, uh, the price tag we had in terms of his cap hit for this year and uh, next year. The play wasn't there. The amount of money he was being paid was not matching the level of pay. And uh, it's crazy how that one person can make a difference. And I'm talking about Ken Norton Jr. to John Pagano. That was, uh, that was insane. Now, on the offensive side, we had Todd Downing. Now, offensively, in the 2016-2017 season, our offense was crazy. Okay. Now, before Derek Carr got injured, he was definitely in line to become the MVP. I'm not being biased, but the level of pay that he had, the things that he did, it was better than everybody else. He carried the team on his back. He was the most valuable player. I don't care what anyone says. Um, he was a shoe-in for MVP. And once he broke his leg, his tibula, fibula, where the fuck it was, uh, the wind from the team just completely went. Now, um, up until that point, our offense was rolling. No issues. We figured, yeah, for the next four or five years, this is going to be the case. We're going to be an offensive juggernaut. And life is going to be good. So this year came. And I don't know what the fuck happened. But Todd Downing completely brought on a shit show. I don't know how our offense became so bad. But every time it was third and long. You knew it was going to be a running back screen. Why the fuck would you call a running back screen. Or throw it two yards down the line. When it's third and 15. 
third and ten. The objective is to get a first down, not just to throw the ball and get someone to catch it. If you want a playground, then yeah. But this is the NFL. And your job as a team, as a coach, as a player, is to get a first down as much as you can to get to the end zone, score a touchdown. How this guy did not manage to do that, I'm at a loss of words. To the point where there's minute, there's second silences every time I'm talking right now because there's no words for me to describe how fucking ridiculous that is. Now, Todd Downing, thank God, and Ken Norton Jr. are never going to come back to Oakland uh, or Las Vegas, however you look at it. Those boys are gone. Now, with John Gruden, the level of respect this guy has in the league is crazy. And uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm super, super, super confident about the coaches and coordinators we've brought on board. So we'll start off um, with the offensive side. And Greg Olson is the uh, the new offensive coordinator. And again, because he was Derek Carr's offensive coordinator in his rookie season. So there is some similarity there. Now, over the last year, Greg Olson has been in, uh, in Los Angeles with the Rams. And uh, Jared Goff did not have a bad season. This guy broke out to the max. And you could say it's McVeigh that pretty much put him on the pedestal. But best believe Greg Olsen definitely had something to do with that. So I'm super stoked about that. Not only the familiarity he has with Derek Carr and that Derek Carr has with him. It's the fact that he's been in an offense like last year with the Rams where they were super, super productive. So the level of stuff he's probably learned from Sean McVay as well is definitely going to help our team. Now on the defensive side, we have Paul Gunther. Now, Paul Gunther was the defensive coordinator for the Bengals um, for the last four years now. And in that time, uh, they have an NFL-ranked number five spot in the points allowed. So over the last four years where he's been defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, they have ranked fifth. Uh, with 20.1 points allowed per game. Uh, Now, to kind of give you a deeper understanding of how good they were, they were ranked second in 2015, where they were allowing just 17.4 points, and they were ranked eighth in 2016, where they were allowing 19.7 points uh, per game. Now, when was the last time our defense were able to even allow less than 20 points I don't fucking know. So I'm super, super stoked that we have a competent coach uh, for our defense. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Now, even to add more sugar to the cake, uh, their defense, now I'm talking about Cincinnati's defense under Paul Gunther over the last four years, their defense has ranked first in the NFL with takeovers or takeaways, shall I say. They've had 69 turnovers over the four years that Paul Gunther was with them. They also have the first-ranked defense against quarterbacks, allowing an 80.1 quarterback rating allowed. Um, Now, how many quarterbacks have we had, average ones, that we've made look like MVPs every fucking week? Finally, this may be the day that it ends. Now, over that time, uh, Cincinnati had no shortage of talent. Vontez Berfick, one of my favorite players in the league, definitely a bit of a, uh, a Marmite type of player because you either love him or you hate him. Uh, with myself, 
he's one of my favorite players just because of the way he plays minus the little extracurricular activity he gets up to uh, he plays the game uh, in an old school way and you have to appreciate that and one of the best players that he had during this time was Gino Atkins now Gino Atkins was a 2015 All-Pro selection and he's uh, gone to the Pro Bowl from 2014 and 2017 as well so he definitely had a baller on the defensive side in Cincinnati and he's definitely got one here. We've got Khalil Mack. Khalil Fysak Mack. Mack truck. What a beast of a player, man. Uh, goes to work every day. Works as hard as everybody else. And uh, you see the results on the field. The guy's an animal. Now, one of the probably under-the-radar hires that we've had on our coaching side, in my opinion, is, uh, is Derek Ansley. Now, a lot of people may not know Derek Ansley. And to be honest... A lot of people don't really know coaches, so I don't blame you guys. But after doing a bit of research, Derek Hansley was the defensive backs coach uh, for Alabama for the last two years. Now, when you think about Alabama, their team always, always house NFL talent. It's ridiculous because these kids are bigger than everybody else um, in college football. They always have the biggest, the strongest, and the fastest players. Now, their defensive backs... Uh, have not been bad. Eddie Jackson was one of my favorite prospects in last year's draft. He went to Chicago and uh, he did pretty well. Very, very good free safety because he's a very good center fielder and um, was always a playmaker. And he made definitely uh, quite a few plays last year for Chicago. Now, um, with Derek Ansley, obviously he helped uh, Alabama win the 2018 BCS National Championship. And the best thing in my opinion, is with this upcoming draft, you have quite a few DBs coming from Alabama. Now, there are some big-name DBs in the NFL draft, and you've got the number one being Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick has been labeled more of a defensive back as opposed to a corner or a safety. The reason why is because the guy has so much versatility. Um, he's played in the slot. He's played the nickel. He's played uh, on the outside. He's played free, and he's played strong safety. So... There's so much that this guy does. And uh, with us picking at 10, it could be prime position to pick Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, depending on how the draft goes, obviously recently we've seen all these trades. I'm assuming the first, I'll say, I'll say out of the first five picks, three of those picks could potentially be quarterbacks. Hopefully even more. Now, the reason why I say that is because if... In the first 10 picks, three or four quarterbacks are taken. There are a plethora of defensive players that we can get into. Now, you have Josh Rosen, you have Josh Allen, and you have Sam Donald. These are the three main quarterbacks in the entire draft. And a lot of teams have been said to really want those guys in the top few picks. So hopefully that happens. Now, we'll talk about a few um, NFL draft prospects later on down the line. But I want to just give you an idea of where we are with the draft. Now, back to the DBs that uh, Derek Hansley has coached. Now, we obviously mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick. You also have Ronnie Harrison, which was another safety for Alabama. He's uh, obviously not as highly touted, but depending on how good uh, of a coach Derek Ansley was which I'm assuming he was because the DBs for Alabama aren't slouches man they're good players now 
how well he knows them will be great. Because if there's a position where later on down the draft uh, with one of the fifth round picks that we've kind of uh, managed to get through the last uh, few days in terms of trades, if we're able to get somebody like a Ronnie Harrison or an Anthony Averett who ran a 4-3-6-40 at the scouting combine, or even Tony Brown, another corner for Alabama who ran a 4-3-5 at the combine as well. Um, these names are definitely interesting to kind of follow throughout the draft process because we have um, a coach on our team now that coached them last year and for the last two years as well. So that's really important and I'm really excited about that. So you can't go wrong with that. Now, with the players that were and are on the team now, this is the current roster. Now, the Crabtree release was very, very shocking to me. Over the last few weeks now prior to that, you did hear our uh, Rich Gannon during his uh, broadcasting said, you can never do that in a John Gruden type of team. Uh, this is not the type of character you need. It was all hearsay. Now, obviously, we all know Crabtree went a little off the rails last year with some of the behavior issues that he had, some of the fights that he had. And um, I didn't expect him to get cut, man. This guy, ever since he's been with our team, has been clutch. Uh, the amount of times Derek Carr goes to him in moments of need and he comes through, uh, it was incredible. Now, I love Cooper, but Cooper's hands, strangely enough, the guy has 10-inch hands, same size as Odell Beckham's hands, but in terms of ball security or being able to, to catch the balls easily, it's not the same, and that's very strange, but uh, Crabtree always was clutched with the hands, had vice grip hands. As soon as he caught the ball, it was very tough to swat the ball out of his hands. He was money every time we needed him, and uh, unfortunately, it got to a point where he just didn't seem to fit the, the type of culture that John Gruden's bringing over. Uh, we then released uh, Amerson. Now, Initially, when he came in from Washington, now my cousins, and, uh, my cousins are Washington Redskins fans, so some of the players that they have on their team, I'm pretty um, aware of as well. I, I know how good they play, I know how bad they play. And Amerson was one of those players who was very talented in college, uh, but it just didn't work out in the NFL. When we got him initially, he was incredible. We were like, what the hell? How the hell did Washington get rid of this guy? He's a baller. And then... The year after, uh, he didn't do as great. And this year, it became even worse. Uh, it sucks because he signed a huge extension after his first season with us because we were like, yeah, this guy's going to be our number one corner for the next few years. And then it just kind of went down the drain. Now, uh, some of the players we lost, Denico Autry was an unrestricted free agent this year. Uh, he was one of my favorite players on the team for the last few years. Uh, was always kind of a rotational guy, but every time he did come in, it looked like he was the, the, the main guy that always gave a push up the middle, which is strange because with his body type, you didn't really think he'll be an interior rusher, but definitely losing Danico Autry to free agency uh, was something that sucked. Uh, obviously, Olden Smith, ever since we signed him on the, I think it was September, the, I, I remember I was in Oakland this day, so it was uh, September 11th of 2015, um, and we signed him and I was super, super excited because I was like, what the hell? How has this guy been released? But I got to a point where the reason why he was released was because of all of the issues this guy has. Unfortunately, 
Uh, the NFL has a rule where if a player is in some sort of substance abuse program, he can't stay with the team or if he's been suspended, which is egregious, just because this guy definitely needed some help. He needed to be around the team, something positive, uh, but we were unable to do so. So it's um, it's a shame Alden Smith is pretty much out of the NFL right now. He got arrested yesterday or the day before yesterday. And uh, yeah, that sucks. Such a such a great player, uh, so much talent. But I guess if you don't put in uh, the work in terms of mentally, then you can't really do that. Uh, one release that I'm pretty happy about was Marshall Newhouse. Uh, this was the right tackle we had, and um, it kind of it was written in the stars because the amount of times that John Gruden has called him out over the last week or so uh, in terms of his bad play, you kind of knew. Uh, nothing good was going to come of that. Sean Smith, um, another favorite of mine. How Ken Norton Jr. managed to uh, screw this guy up so bad as well, that was a head scratcher. Because as soon as John Pagano came, Sean Smith was locking down everybody week after week. If you don't believe me, go and watch the game tape. Uh, for my kind of European listeners, uh, NFL Game Pass is definitely one place to go to because you can do the all 22 the coaches film or you can just watch the game in terms of broadcast mode watching it in 30 to 40 minutes if you watch sean smith ever since john pagano came as a corner this guy was shutting shit down and it was beautiful to see but unfortunately uh because of this case that this guy had looming this whole year after he whipped the shit out of his um his sister's ex-boyfriend because he used to beat her he's now uh he pled guilty and he's going to prison for one year uh, for battery charges. So that sucks uh, because as a man, I don't have a sister, but I know for a fact that if I did have a sister and someone beat her up, I'm going to fuck that guy up. So it's a bit unfair how he has to go to prison for that, but it is what it is. Um, one of the big signings, I, I, I kind of say big signings, but I'm not too, I'm not too sure about it. One of the big signings, I guess, of this offseason has been Jordy Nelson. Now, essentially, we swapped Michael Crabtree for Jordan Nelson. I am not a fan of this. Uh, Jordan Nelson's older. He's got, um, in terms of injuries, he had an injury to the year prior to last. And he really didn't seem to be going all that well last year. Now, albeit he was without Aaron Rodgers the whole time. And when Aaron Rodgers was on the team, um, Jordan Nelson was actually leading the NFL with touchdown catches. Now, Jordan Nelson is not only a player being brought in, but it's the fact that he's a leader. Now, he's a leader that we definitely needed. What the hell happened last year? I don't know. The first two games, okay, we're like, you know what? We're completely continuing on from last year. This is incredible. And then as soon as the whole national anthem fiasco hit and week three came about, we went into Washington and we completely imploded. What the fuck happened there, man? Now, as I mentioned before, my cousin's a Washington Redskins fan. I have to deal with this shit for another four years because the last two times we've played them, we've lost to them. We first had Jamarcus Russell and then we had, um, who was the other guy from LSU? I don't fucking remember. But we had bum quarterbacks. This time we had Derek Carr. And I figured, you know what? All this time he's been talking shit. 
Oh, Washington Redskins are better than the Raiders. This was the final. This was finally the year that we were gonna stick it to the Washington Redskins, and I was gonna cuss my cousin out. But I don't know what happened. But from that point, the season went downhill. Now, um, I have no idea what happened, but to bring somebody like Jordan Nelson in, where everybody's raving about the type of player he is, the type of teammate he is. Uh, the type of work ethic that he has, the pedigree he comes from, I'm excited in that aspect. Now, in terms of playing, uh, as I said, Crabtree was one of my favorite Raiders, Raiders of all time. Now, um, whether Jordy Nelson is able to produce, that would be great. Because just to remember, now to kind of be as positive as we can be, uh, Jordy Nelson was leading the NFL in passing touch or catching touchdowns um, when Aaron Rodgers was healthy last year. As soon as Aaron Rodgers went down, everyone's production came down. So I'm not going to really blame Jordy Nelson for that. I'm not going to say he's old and stuff and say that he had uh, major injuries because he wasn't, I don't think, to my knowledge, I don't think he was injured last year. But his production was slowed down, as was everybody else's in Green Bay, just because Aaron Rodgers weren't there. Now, a good thing also about this is his old offensive coordinator is our new wide receivers coach, and that's Edgar Bennett. Now, that's another reason why I think he got brought in, is because, of, again, the familiarity with the coach. Uh, Edgar Bennett is a pretty good coach, and I'm pretty excited to see these two work together. Number one I'm looking for is the uh, the level of maturity that Jordan Nelson has and the type of mentorship that he can give to Amara Cooper. Because Amara Cooper has all the talent in the world, but for some strange reason, this guy goes astronomically high around the beginning to mid-season and towards the end of the season he completely slows down so i'm really 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 hoping that amari cooper from week one to hopefully week uh to super bowl week even after that can play lights out uh show everyone his talent is not just for a few weeks it's for a whole season he's here to stay uh, the level of talent this guy has is incredible I'm really hoping he's more consistent with his catches. I don't think it's an issue in terms of technique. I think it's just a concentration issue. Um, this is me saying that, but what the real reason is, I have no idea. I'm just hoping it's a case where he takes his off the ball for a split second and he just drops it. If he can see the ball in from now on and avoid all these drops, then I'll be really, really happy. Uh, a head scratcher, Doug Martin. Now... A lot of you remember Doug Martin's uh, rookie year. He shitted on the whole team. Uh, and it was pretty much his coming out party in the NFL. Ever since then, he's been marred by injuries. And he's been super inconsistent. So this one I don't really get. It could potentially be some of the ties that he had um, with John Gruden. Seeing as they were both in Tampa Bay and all that stuff. But this one I don't get. John Gruden has said over and over again... He wants to smash you. Now, I'm assuming he's doing that because he said quite a few times now that he's looking to bring the game back to uh, 1998 when he first started coaching the Raiders. And he just wants to pound the rock on teams. Now, Jacksonville Jaguars did an amazing job with that. Um, Dallas Cowboys in Ezekiel's first year were killing people with the run game. So I'm assuming that's the same thing he's looking to do. Now... With Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch, that is a bit exciting. But 
with Doug Martin, I don't really see it, man. Whether he's just a camp body, I don't know. It's impossible for me to say this one. You, um, we're just gonna have to wait and see to see what happens uh, in the uh, mandatory mini camps and training camps and see how far this guy kind of goes along. Um, one of the main signings that we've made in free agency is something I'm excited about is um, the additions of Marcus Gilchrist and Rashawn Melvin. Now, our defensive backs have been um, marred by last year, marred by injury and just lack of talent. TJ Carey was a fan favorite, a local guy. He played very well. For somebody that was a very, very late round pick, he played very, very well. And um, unfortunately, we were unable to match the type of contract that this guy wanted. His demands were too high for the team, and he managed to uh, sign elsewhere. But Marcus Gilchrist, he's a safety from Houston. One of the main things about Marcus is the fact that he's so versatile. He's pretty much played every position in defensive back scheme. And uh, he's going to bring a lot of veteran leadership. And he's going to bring some talent as well. Because Reggie Nelson, I just got a message on my phone saying Reggie Nelson has been signed uh, to a one-year deal with us. But I'm assuming that's for depth. Because you really, really saw um, the wear and tear on Reggie Nelson's legs towards the end of the year. Because he was super, super slow, man. And one of his main traits is the fact that he's quite fast. Uh Another addition we had was Rashawn Melvin. Now, Rashawn Melvin is the cornerback from Indy, well, was the cornerback, shall I say, of Indianapolis. Uh, a lot of people now, they're using uh, game tapes, but a lot of people are kind of looking into analytics as well. Um, PFF is uh, one website that a lot of people should definitely look into. Don't base all your decisions and your scouting on that website, but it definitely gives you an insight, a different, a different aspect and a different outlook on how players perform. Um, and his PFF grade was pretty good. He um, He's a good shutdown corner. I'm really excited to see what he does on the opposite side of Gary O'Connor as well, who I'm super excited to see because uh, last year in training camp, everyone was completely on his jockstrap. I'm talking about Gary O'Connor. Uh, unfortunately, he ended up getting those shin splints and it pretty much lingered into the season and cause for him to go into injured reserves. But we saw a snip of how good he was in that New York game. Um, one of the main things I remember is the fact that he did the the double uh, pass deflection, which was incredible, showed athleticism, showed awareness. Could have gone picked off um, if he passed it slightly uh, gently to Reggie Nelson. But, hey, what can you do? Uh, there's not much uh, else that we can really do to do that. And... Uh, we had Tahir Whitehead. Now, Tahir Whitehead's a linebacker from Detroit. Again, uh, has a lot of versatility. I would assume he's probably going to play on the weak side linebacker spot. Hopefully, we can bring back Navarro Bowman. I know we've put an offer for the guy, but he's yet to accept it. I'm assuming he's just checking uh, the other teams around the league to see what offer they can match. But if we can get Navarro Bowman back to play the middle linebacker, because ever since he came in, uh, we did really well. The amount of communication that increased from that point was really, really good and very important. But with, with Tahir Whitehead, he has that versatility to play strong side, weak side and middle. I prefer him to play uh, on the weaker side just so uh, he can kind of better his uh, his skill set on a, on a deeper level. And then the final one, we got Tank Carradine as well. He was uh, relatively highly touted coming out of Florida State. Uh, 
went to San Francisco, and I would see him more as a, a rotational defensive end. Uh, the great thing is, is we brought Justin back, Justin Ellis, Jelly. Uh, he was a really, really good uh, player, very good nose tackle, somebody that is um, definitely a starter in this league. He's not an all-pro, he's not a perennial pro bowler, he's not Aaron Donald, uh, but well, it's a different position they play, but he gets the job done. He was very good in uh, in plugging those holes to, to limit the opposing team four runs, and he did his job. And I'm really excited for that. Now, going into the draft, this part is one of the most exciting parts of the uh, of the offseason. The NFL draft is such a great spectacle. And this is where your team is going to start building for the future and seeing whether they can build success or not. And um, again, we have the number 10 spot. Now, my personal preferences, as I mentioned before, was the... Uh, the fact that the first few picks are going to be quarterbacks. If that's the case, that's perfect. So I'll say it like this. Let's say the first out of the first five picks, three or four quarterbacks are taken. Now, there's six players or five players to get chosen before we pick after that. All right? Now, we pick 10. If Sam Donald, Josh Rosen, and Josh Allen, even potentially Baker Mayfield, but I'll just stick with those three guys. If those three guys are taken... Saquon Barkley is going to get taken. You've got Quentin Nelson who's going to get taken. And um, that's five spots that's been taken already. Now, our biggest need is on a defensive side. So we can choose from Bradley Chubb, who is an absolute beast of a defensive end. Now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that Bradley Chubb is not going to be there when we pick at 10. Um, just for the simple fact that this guy, that a lot of people are saying, and when you watch the tape, you see it as well. People, a lot of people say he was on par with Miles Garrett last year. Now, the level of um, skill that this guy has for a college player is incredible. So Bradley Chubb, another player who's going to go. Uh, you have Saquon Barkley, as I mentioned before, and um, and you have Quentin Nelson. Now, with the defensive players now, you have Bradley Chubb, Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, my personal favorite, to be honest, is uh, Derwin James. Now, Derwin James from Florida State. A lot of people say he is a top three player in the whole draft. Now, one of his main attributes is his versatility. They say he's the best cover player in the entire draft. Now, that's really important. Because for our team, our biggest Achilles heel has been stopping tight ends. Week in, week out, we get destroyed by tight ends. And if you watch the week one game of last year, you saw Kansas City versus the New England Patriots. Gronkowski is like a demigod. Nobody can stop him. But Eric Berry shut that shit down. Now, once you have a player like that, in terms of Eric Berry, if you can stop the opposing team's best player, in this case, pretty much a best offensive player for the New England Patriots outside of Tom Brady, is Gronkowski. Once you shut him down, there's going to be a lot of issues for the opposing quarterback because that tight end is the safety blanket for every single quarterback. Now, once he did that, uh, New England had quite a few issues with getting everything done, and you saw the result. Derwin James is that guy. 
Derwin James is like um, he's like Cam Chancellor and L. Thomas put together. Now he's not as quick as L. Thomas, and he's not as much as a a hitter as Cam Chancellor, but he's pretty much just in between for both. A great cover guy, and a very very good and sound tackler. He's one favorite player along with Maurice Hurst. Now, if we're breaking down again, I keep going back and forth, but if we're going, so the three quarterbacks get taken, all right? You then got Saquon Barkley, and you got Quentin Nelson. That's five players that have been taken. You then go on to the defensive players. You got Bradley Chubb, um, who's definitely going to get taken. Uh, so that's, let's see. We could be in position for a Maurice Hurst or a Denzel Ward. Now, outside of Derwin James being my favorite, Maurice Hurst is another favorite of mine. And the main reason why, this guy is like an Aaron Donald light. Not as explosive, but this guy's quickness is ridiculous. And that is the biggest thing we need. We need a defensive tackle. We need a three technique. We need a player that can knife in through the offensive line in the interior to give the opposing quarterback pressure because we cannot, and I repeat, we cannot keep forcing or relying on Mac to make all the plays when there's 10 other guys on a team and they aren't doing as much. Maurice Hurst, in my opinion, would be a huge, huge pickup. Now, the reason why recently you haven't heard of his name that often was because during the NFL Combine, um, he was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. By the uh, by, the doctors at the NFL Combine. However, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, news hit the kind of uh, the newsstands that he's been cleared to play. Now he's definitely in play for the number ten pick because of the position he plays, the level of player he is is going to be a great pickup. Now I mentioned before Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is one of the best corners, if not the best corner in this draft. Another great part of that is the fact that he played for Ohio State. Gary Conley played for Ohio State. So that would be a great Ohio State-Buckeyes reunion with those two in our backfield, especially with Rashawn Melvin being there as well. <clears throat> a lot of people are saying Roquan Smith with our 10 solo pick. If you see a lot of mock drafts, they have Roquan Smith there. Roquan Smith is a middle linebacker from the University of Georgia. Now, he could be the leader of our defense, and um, he's super athletic. He's got sideline-to-sideline speed. A lot of people see him in the same mold as Ruben Foster, but not as explosive as he was. However, he comes with everything you want in terms of intangibles because he will not have those off-field issues that Ruben Foster has. Roquan Smith is a really good guy. I'm not saying that Ruben Foster isn't, but in terms of being able to pick an NFL player and not have to worry about anything, Roquan Smith is that guy. Me personally, I'm not a massive fan of that pick. Reason why. Now, we've got the number 10th overall pick. If you're picking an inside linebacker, you want somebody that has no crazy, crazy, obvious flaws. <clears throat> Sorry. With Roquan Smith, his biggest issue is the fact that once an offensive lineman gets a hold of him, he cannot shed blocks. Now, this league is kind of was gravitating more towards a passing league, but it looks like a lot of teams 
and now implementing the older style of pounding that rock down your throat, getting bigger offensive linemen, getting bigger running backs, and they will just smash you. Roquan Smith is more in the mold of what the NFL was looking to go into with the passing league because he's got the sideline to sideline speed. He'll be able to cover the nickel, or he'll be able to cover the slot corner or the slot receiver for a very little while, or he'll be able to cover the tight end as well. But because of that, I'm not really comfortable with taking him with the 10th overall pick because if you're going to take a guy that high, he's going to have to do everything well. Exceptionally well, should I say. And uh, with that, I don't see him. A lot of people have said Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, the linebacker there, could be a pick for us. Now, this guy's athleticism is ridiculous. And the guy is only 19 years of age. But this guy is all upside. For the now, I don't see him fitting on our team. The reason why, we need immediate help. Because with Carl Joseph, where we took him two or three years ago, he's not doing much. I'm uh, never a fan of his. The reason why I really, really, really have concerns about his size. I feel he's too, too, too small for that role that he plays. Um, if you play free safety, then yeah. But they definitely bring him down uh, towards the line of scrimmage more often than not. And because of his size, he will get completely washed out by bigger running backs, by tight ends. Even tackles would destroy this guy. So I've never been a massive fan of Carl uh, Joseph. Now, we do not need a player that we could potentially groom for a few years. We need an impact player straight away just because of those little misses that Reggie McKenzie, as much as I love the guy, Reggie McKenzie has had some misses in the NFL draft the last few years. And because of that, we need a player that can come in ASAP and change the culture and change the play of this defense. Me personally, I think it will be Maurice Hurst or uh, Derwin James that will be able to do that. Even potentially Micah Fitzpatrick. Because um, as I mentioned before, Derek Hansley is our new DB coach. And he was Minka's DB coach in Alabama. So, if he's got a lot of information on him, that would be great. Because if he genuinely feels that he's better than Derwin James, then I'm more I'm more for it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. We're in a good position. It's uh, the, the number 10 position is really good, especially with this year as well, because of the first few picks being uh, potentially more on the offensive side, we could get a really, really, really good player. And I'm, uh, I'm super excited about it. So we'll see what happens uh, over the next week or so. I'm going to try and talk about other stuff uh, that's happened over the last year or so. I'll try and break down a few games from last year, but it's a, ever-revolving door of information that's going to be flooding out uh, into the news world uh, this year because of the off-season we're in. Now, I'll give you a couple stats, shocking stats. Now, our first interception was in week 12 of last year. Week 12. That's fucking crazy. Navarro Bowman uh, was the one that intercepted that in the end zone. And we definitely need some help in the secondary. Khalil Mack, as good as he is. Uh, Bruce Irvin apparently is going to be playing exclusively the defensive end because you've heard John Gruden definitely say 
Uh, he doesn't want him to go back into coverage. The only highlight of my year last year in terms of Bruce Irvin in coverage was where he body slammed Travis Kelsey. He completely shitted on this guy, and uh, that was beautiful. But it looks like this guy is going to play exclusively the defensive end position, and I am all for that. The reason why this guy's main attribute is his quickness for his size. If he's able to rush over and over again, he'll be able to help Khalil Mack um, with the double teams. Those two slash bros will be able to do something and definitely cause uh, some sort of ruckus. Now we've got uh, Ndamukong Sue in the news saying that he was coming to Oakland, but he can't do his trip. That, um, that hurts. That's definitely some disrespectful shit right there. So thank you Ndamukong Sue for disrespecting the whole nation like that. But it is what it is. I'm hoping out of nowhere we get a quick turnaround and he goes, actually, you know what, I'm just playing. I'll sign with you guys, but it doesn't look like that's the case. Um, now, defensively, last year, I'll give you a couple of stats. Points allowed, we were 20th. Yards allowed, we were 23rd. Pass yards allowed, we were 26th. Rushing yards, uh, we were 12th. Offensively, uh, points gained, we were 23rd. For total yards, we were 18th. Pass yards, we were 16th. And rush yards, we were 25th. These are some stats I'm saying now because that's something I definitely want to concentrate as the year goes by. Because I want to see how different this team will be under John Gruden. A lot of people were having their, their doubts about this, saying, oh, yeah, he's been out of the league for so long. Um, he doesn't know how the players will react to the way he coaches. A lot of players may be a lot softer than they used to be, so they may not really accept the way he is now. Who knows? Who knows, man? All I know is the team cannot be any worse than what we were last year when we had Ken Norton Jr. and Todd Downing as our coordinators. There's nothing worse than seeing your team at a disadvantage every week because of coaching. But we will see. Uh, I've got high hopes for this season. Uh, the reason why is because I'm a Raider fan and we're slightly delusional. Uh, we have a crazy amount of optimism, no matter how much shit we've gone through over these years. But it's, um, it's going to be exciting. So that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I'll definitely uh, get this show on the road on a weekly basis. Thank you so much. You were listening to That Raider Podcast. Peace.